So, where are you from? How many times have you been asked that question? It's a common one when we meet someone for the first time and we uh, come in contact with somebody that we don't know very well. Uh, we want to know a little more about each other, so we ask them, oh, so uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. So, where are you from? Uh, sometimes that's not an easy question to answer. For example, I was born in Midland in, in West Texas, but it's been over 40 years since I've been back there, so uh, the connections that I have there anymore are pretty scarce. I, I grew up in Austin in Central Texas, but it's been a while since I've been back there also. I, I've lived here in Springfield for over 20 years, so uh, I guess still, though, technically, uh, uh, George Bush and Jessica, the girl that fell down the well, and me were all from the same place. Other than information on my birth certificate, that doesn't really mean a whole lot. But origins can be very significant, extremely important, especially the origins that are described in the first three chapters of the book of Genesis. A few months ago, we looked at the first chapter of Genesis. We're going to be looking over the next several weeks at the second and third chapters of Genesis, where the Bible tells us in no uncertain terms, we, we may be from different places, but we are all from the place described in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where we're going to read this morning. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Where all of us are from makes a huge difference in our understanding of who God is and who we are. We know how Genesis begins. It begins with that extraordinary statement, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In Genesis chapter 2, the Bible takes that truth and makes it personal. God didn't just Create the heavens and the earth. God created you and me. Now that would seem to follow from the statement that God created the heavens and the earth. We're a part of the earth. But, but often that connection doesn't get made. Sometimes willingly. Sometimes just by default. But, but sometimes we forget we came from Him. We forget that our origins, all of us, we were created by God. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 makes it very specific, so we'll understand it. The Lord, the Bible says, formed us. It's a word that describes a, a skill and, and a, an authority, a, a sovereignty that we have to remember. God is our Creator. The prophets used that imagery in, in a very straightforward way. Isaiah and Jeremiah both used the imagery of a potter forming his work. Isaiah puts it this way in Isaiah 29, verse 16. He says, you, you turn things upside down as if the potter were thought to be like the clay. Shall that which is formed say to him who formed it, he did not make me. Can the pot say of the potter? He knows nothing. 
Jeremiah puts it this way in Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 4. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, so he, the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. The Bible is very clear with us. God fashioned us with his own hands. Like a master craftsman, we are the work of his divine skill and knowledge. But it's more than just a worker on an assembly line putting out a bunch of parts. The Bible says God breathed into us the breath of life. This is an act of God's giving as well as creating. There's a a personal quality to what God has done. We are the work of His hands. We're formed of creation. We're we're natural. We're, We're part of this earth. But we are also of God. He has breathed into us the breath of life. That means we are not only His creation, but that we owe our very life to Him. We are who we are because He made us that way. We owe God everything because everything that we are comes directly from Him. Without Him, we would not exist. Without Him, there would be no life. We are who we are because He made us who we are. As our Creator, we owe to God nothing less than our worship and our obedience. He created us for that purpose. He created us For His glory. And to do anything less than that is to do less than what God created us to be. It's like if you were to decide, I'm going to go paint a painting. So you got out a canvas and you you pulled out your, your paints. And then as you looked at the canvas, you grabbed a screwdriver and began to slap the paint on with a screwdriver. Or... If you're working on a car, something's not sounding exactly right. So, so you open up the hood, you, you take a look in there, you, you see a bolt that needs to be tightened, so you grab a paintbrush and start trying to tighten the bolt. Well, you could do that. You might be able to accomplish something in that, but if you try to paint with a screwdriver, if you try to tighten a bolt with a paintbrush, you're not using those tools for the things they were created to do. So it is with failing to recognize God as our Creator. When we fail to worship God, when we fail to give Him glory, when we decide, I'm not going to follow His command... We were living in a way that we weren't created to live. It's no wonder that things fall apart when that's what we do. And that's why the Bible starts where it does. Because the first 
thing that we need to understand is this fact that God is our Creator. That understanding, realizing that God fashioned us with His hand, recognizing that God breathed into us the breath of life, it leads us to the understanding that we need Him. That separated from Him is not where we want to be. And that leads to the truth that we need Jesus. All of that begins with this understanding that God created us. And that's one reason why the world wants to ignore that truth. If you admit that God is our creator, then you ultimately have to admit that we need Him. And the world doesn't want that. So the world tries to ignore that God is our creator, or at least to modify that understanding in some way. Through the years, several views have developed trying to ignore God as our creator. Here's a couple of them. First of all, the view that there is no God, that God doesn't exist at all. That that everything in the universe just happened. Through the years, theories have been promoted trying to remove God from the equation entirely. Now, don't get me wrong this morning. I love science. I really do. There was a time in my life when when I really wanted to be a scientist. If you had asked me when I was growing up, what would you like to be when you grow up? I probably would have answered, I'd kind of like to be a scientist. In fact, they had Pioneer Day at my school when I was in the fourth grade. We had to dress up like a pioneer. And I just, you know, didn't really want to wear the coonskin cap and all that. And so... So my mom made me a little scientist coat. Had the little pocket square with the protractor and everything sticking out of it. I I was a future pioneer. So I wanted to be a scientist. I like science. I am amazed at what science discovers. I loved science in in high school. It was my favorite subject. I'm fascinated by things that science discovers about space. I'm thankful for the things that science discovers in medicine. But here's the problem. Some people take something that's really, really good, science, and they try to use it for something that it really isn't. They try to use science as theology. That's a huge mistake. It's like trying to build a house out of jello. You could do that. I mean, you could make a structure that would kind of hold together that was completely formed out of jello, but the first time it rained, (laughs) you'd have a problem. Science is, is good. There's nothing wrong with science, but science isn't theology. Science doesn't tell us who God is. It can tell us some things that God has done. But when it comes to describing the person of God, that's not what science does. And yet through the years, folks have tried to use science to, so to speak, disprove the existence of God. That doesn't make any sense. It's it's like what we talked about a minute ago. It's like using a, a paintbrush to try to tighten a bolt. It won't work. Science takes the very limited evidence that we have 
and, and then theorizes how things might have come to be. That's a long way from disproving God. But some will try to use science as a reason not to believe in God. Again, to do that, it's like sitting in a house made of jello. Or, or another thought that has developed through the years, what has sometimes been called the watchmaker God. Some get around the idea of, of, of using science as theology. They realize that that doesn't really fit. And so they don't deny the existence of God. They just deny his relevance. And this is the way that this argument goes. They describe something that's sometimes called the watchmaker God, that God made the world, he, he wound it up, he, he got it going, and now he's just completely hands-off. He doesn't really have anything to do with it anymore. It's another big mistake. Not the least of which is asking the most obvious question. Why would God do that? Why would he create the universe and then just have nothing to do with it? That doesn't make any sense. He, he obviously has purpose himself, so he obviously would create the universe with some purpose, with some reason. There has to be a purpose behind his creative work. There are other arguments as well, but you get the point. Our view of creation, the, the way we see how everything came to be, it shapes our view of God. It shapes how we respond to Him. And in the biblical understanding, it becomes very, very clear. God made us. He, he fashioned us from the natural world, from the dust. But He also breathed into us the breath of life. We are His creation. And He is not just some aloof spirit in the sky. He is personally involved in our world. Personally involved in who we are. Personally a part of our life. Now we broke fellowship with God through our sin. That's what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 3. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But God has also made the way to restore who we were originally created to be. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is what we do as a church. We are here for this purpose to glorify God, to worship Him, and to take this message to the world. That this is what you were created for. This is what you're looking for. This is the purpose for your life. We've been emphasizing this month uh, uh, the Who's Your One campaign. Just think about that one person that that you could be praying for and, and looking for opportunities to share with them. This is a big one. Every single person that you know desperately wants a purpose. 
They want a reason for being. They want to understand why they exist. And so one of the things that you can do is simply have a conversation. Surveys say that 57% of people believe that finding their purpose is their major goal in life. The most important thing they have to do. And we know they're right. That God does have a purpose for them. That they're not just a blob of flesh. They have reason. They have worth. God fashioned them and breathed into them the breath of life. And your conversations with them about the purpose that you have found in Christ, that you have found in Jesus a reason for who you are, a a purpose for how you should live, those conversations will resonate with the people that you talk to because they're desperately looking for that purpose in their life too. We have reason for being this morning. We're not just an accident. You're here because God made you. And that is crucial to our understanding of who God is and who we are. Heavenly Father, help us this morning with this very foundational understanding. That you are our creator. Heavenly Father, we're not something that that just happened. We're not just an accident of... But we're here because you wanted us to be. We're here because you fashioned us exactly as you wanted us to be. Lord, as we understand that, we also recognize our need for you. And our purpose in you. And for that, we give you thanks this morning. And we recognize there are a lot of people in our world that are desperately looking for that purpose in their life. They want to know why they're here. And so, God, we pray that you would give us the words to speak, the the actions to do that would show them that they have purpose too. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.